Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. Praise God. Anybody happy to be in the house of God this morning? Amen. It is always good to be in the house of God this morning. We have a, we have a special guest, and I, just, I know we have visitors. If we have any visitors, welcome this morning. We love you. You are already a part of the family. But I want to I, I recognize a special visitor that we have here with us this morning, Edward, my brother Edward. He's here this morning. Edward, 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 Edward. Edward, how old you said you're you going to turn? 60, man, 63. He's doing like flips and, and praise and worship this morning. That Goals, goals. Amen. But, uh, but praise God uh, earlier, earlier this week. Um, and and I'll, I'll eventually I'll, I'll have Edward share with, with you guys. But um, just to kind of share how we got here earlier this week, Pastor Melissa was driving here Thursday to, to, to prayer and uh, she saw Brother Edward on, on the corner of navigation, and uh, he was he was preaching the gospel, and and uh, and he was, and and Melissa, Pastor Melissa was there, and you know they were they were talking, and and uh, basically uh, she she invited him to church, and, and she said, okay, well someone I don't know who, but someone's gonna come and get you at ten thirty uh, Sunday morning, so just make sure that you're you're there, and uh, so I, I went this morning. I, I, I picked him up and uh, welcome to to Numa Church, brother brother Edward. Amen. And this guy this guy knows his word. I was I was talking to him and uh, and, and praise God. But um, this morning I, I do want to re-announce because I, I want you to to mark your calendars. The, the the days go by so fast. The months weeks go by so fast. But August 15th, again, I know Pastor Melissa mentioned it, August 15th, our friends and family Sunday, I want you to please invite anyone you know, anyone who needs Jesus, tell them to come August 15th to Numa Church. We're having a very, we're going to have a special back to school service. We're going to be raffling out some um, supplies and all that. So you can kind of, that can kind of be the, 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 the get them here part. And then, and then Jesus and the word of God will bring the conviction. The Holy Spirit will do what he needs to do. Um, so please start thinking about who you are going to invite, uh, send them reminders, text them, pray for them uh, so that God may uh, continue to do his, his work. Amen. Amen. I want to, I want to preach this morning out of Genesis, um, chapter 37. If you have your Bibles, Genesis 37, we're going to be reading a little bit again, like we did last week. Um, this is the story of Joseph and, uh, the story of Joseph, you know, it covers a good 13, 12, you know, chapters in Genesis. Joseph is one of the, the 12 sons of Jacob, uh, and he, along with his brother Benjamin, are only the, the only two that belong to, to Rachel. Uh, and so Jacob, the, the father of Joseph, he loves Rachel, he, so he favors, uh, he favors uh, his, his sons, Joseph and Benjamin, and this angers his brothers. His brothers hate him for it. Jacob one day has a dream, and I'm kind of summarizing here before we get to the text. Uh, J- Jacob, uh, I'm sorry, Joseph has a, has a dream, and, and it includes his whole family, his brothers, his, his parents bowing down uh, to him. And he tells his, his family this, and they kind of mock him for it, like, who are we to bow down to, to you? And this is where I want to pick up 
the story. So Joseph's brothers hate him even more in Genesis 37, 18 through 28. If you don't have your Bibles, I have it up here with, uh, for you. And it says, they saw him from afar and before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. And they said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Let's kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him and we will see what becomes of this dreamer. But when Reuben heard it, he rescued him out of their hands, saying, let us not take his life. And Reuben said to him, shed no blood, throw him into the pit here in the wilderness, but do not lay a hand on him that he might uh, rescue him out uh, of their hand to restore him to this father. Verse 33, uh, I'm sorry, 23. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore, and they took him and threw him into the pit. The pit was empty. There was no water. Then they sat down to eat and looking up, they saw a caravan to, uh, of the Ishmaelites coming from Gilead on their way to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, what profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hands be upon him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers listened to him. Then Midianite traders passed by, and they drew Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit, and they sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. They took Joseph to Egypt. Let's pray right there. Heavenly Father, I thank you, my God, for this word that you've already spoken, Father God, to me. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit preaches it, my God, to your people this morning, that we may receive it and and apply it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want you to think this morning about what God has revealed to you, what God has shown you, where God has said that he's going to take you. Anybody got a promise from God, anybody receive a word from God and you're holding on to it and maybe it's been a long time coming and you're wondering if ever, if it's ever going to come, but you have something that you're holding on to because God said it was going to happen. If you were Joseph, I would ask you, what are you dreaming? What are you dreaming? Man, I, I speak to many of you and man, I, I, I've, I've, I've seen, I've heard of the desires that God has put in some of your hearts incredible things. Some of you want to do incredible things. And I I believe, and I pray with all my heart that, that God will give you every desire that he has placed in your heart. And as I was reading these, these, these chapters this week, man, I, I read it in a way that I had never understood before. Like, like my mind was, was blown. I don't know if you, if you ever read like this, like a Bible story that, you know, but you read it like coming at it from a different angle. It's like a new revelation. It's like, what, what God? I, I'd never seen it this way before. That, I had that type of moment this week. It was a, a new angle of the text that I had never seen. We have to go through it to get there. But after reading it, I was encouraged by the fact that, that the place that you're at, church, may very well be a part of your purpose. The place that you're at today may very well be a part of the purpose that God has for you. Now you, you might feel, man, the place that I'm at today, it's totally random. You might even convince yourself, this is pointless. What, what am I here for? I'm not learning anything. I'm not, I'm not getting a further ahead, right? I'm so far away from what God has promised, what God has shown me. But for those who stay faithful to God, those who stay obedient to God, can I tell you that he will work your place into your purpose? He will work your place into your purpose. So I entitled the message this morning, The Place and the Purpose. King Solomon, 
I'm going to go to another passage. King Solomon was the wisest uh, king that God had ever uh, raised up. And he says something very, very profound in Ecclesiastes 3. He says, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. There's a time to be born. There's a time to die. There's a, uh, a time to plant, a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. And he goes on. There is a season, there is a time for everything. And if there is a time for everything, there means, that means that there is a place for that appointed time. We easily forget that God still works. Listen, somebody, God still works in the seasons of discomfort. God, God still works in desolate places. Now, I know that you might convince yourself that he doesn't because you look around and it's a desolate place. There's nobody else there, but God is still there. God is still moving. And I know it's so easy for us to say, God, how does this, how does this get me closer to what you've shown me? How does this get me closer to, to the calling that you have spoken over my life, to that word that you have given to me? How does this get me closer? Now, see, Solomon knew something that I believe so many of us, we, we really need to understand. We need to learn. Solomon knew that these, that, that seasons we're a part of life. Seasons are a part of life. Birth, death, sorrow, mourning, sickness, health, poverty, abundance, all of that. That's just a part of life. Sometimes I get asked, many times I get asked, Pastor, why do you think God allowed me to go through this situation? Why do you think, why do you think that this happened to me? Why did why did my loved one have to pass away? Why did my husband have to lose his job? We've been faithful. We've been obedient. Why, why am I have to go through this storm in this season of my life? They ask me that. People ask me that. They probably ask you that as a Christian. Why did God allow me to go through this? And, and the answer that I give people, I feel, is not that pastoral. <laughs> I feel like it's just, a, it's just an answer that anyone else, anyone who, who might not even be a Christian, they would give. And, and, but I believe there's truth to it. You know, if there is a specific reason that God has allowed you to go through something, if God has made something happen in your life, who am I to speculate on God's reasoning, right? So, so, so most of the times the answer that I give people, I feel like is, it's super disappointing because I feel like they, they're wanting something deeper. They're, they're wanting, we, we want a reason for everything that happens, right? So that we can better understand what we're going through. But Solomon knew something. Solomon knew that you're just going to go through stuff in life because there's a season for everything. So, so when people ask me, why did God allow me to go through this? Most of the time, the answer I give them is that's just a part of life. Super disappointing, right? Like you, you don't want to hear that from your pastor. Come on, give me, give me scripture, Lord. Give me, give me revelation. No, sometimes that's just a part of life. Death is a part of life, just like birth is a part of life. Poverty is a part of life, just like wealth is a part of life. And I know that we all want the wealth to hit our lives, right? Being let go from your job, getting sick, losing a loved one, all of that is just a part of life. It's not that God is necessarily always the cause of your pain and your discomfort or even the cause of your abundance and your health. This isn't to, to say that, that, that the God is making you go through the time that you're going through, whether it's good or bad. See, because if we believe that we have free will 
If we believe that God has given us the ability to choose, if we believe that we have free will, we have to believe that that God is going to let us go through seasons that are affected by the choices that we make and the decisions that other people make. You can't have it both ways. If you believe that we are free creatures, that God gave Adam and Eve a choice in the garden when he said, I do not want you to eat of this tree, that he was giving them a choice. You can either obey me or you can either disobey me. They chose to disobey. And now as a result of that, we have to live with the decisions that we make in this life. It's just a part of life. And so sometimes you can feel blessed without God actually even being the reason that you feel blessed. You just bought a car and you feel blessed and God, I didn't give that to you. Just like you can feel pain without the devil being the source of the pain that you feel. Hope I'm explaining myself. Right now, obviously, this isn't to say that God doesn't intervene. We know that he does. He does cause things to happen. But 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 many times the things that you go through are just because you're doing life. And Solomon was wise enough to know that being a product of a fallen race means you are going to experience the trauma of a fallen world. Now, here's the hope, because there is hope in all this. God works through that. God works through that. Growing, growing up, I would always hear, I would hear uh, people say, God works in seasons. And I believe that 100%. God works in his own timing. But I think that we can also take that literally as well. God works in the seasons. God works, in, meaning God is working in your season of life. In your season of hurt, God is working. In your seasons of abundance, God is working. In your seasons of desperation, God is working. Whether God sent the affliction or not, God is working through the affliction. Solomon says there is a season for everything, but there is also a God who works in every one of those seasons. So I say all of this to say that the place, someone say place. The place that you're in that you think contributes nothing to your purpose, God is still working in it. So let's go to Joseph. Joseph finds himself in a place of captivity. Now, if I'm Joseph, and I just had this awesome dream the other night, that one day my family is going to serve me. If my family is serving me, who else is serving me? Because I'm, I'm the youngest of my family. If my family is bowing down to me, who else is bowing down to me? It's an awesome dream. He was so excited, he went to tell his brothers, you're going to bow down to me, right? They didn't, they didn't like that very much. So, so if I'm Joseph, I'm thinking, well, I, I just had this awesome dream that my, my brothers and my, my father's going to bow before me. Signifying royalty, why am I going to a place of captivity? If God showed me that I was going to rule, why did I just become a slave? Because that seems very far in the opposite direction, God. What, what are you doing? Shouldn't I be making Shouldn't I be climbing up the ladder? Why am I going into the pit? Why am I becoming a slave? I bet this didn't make an ounce of sense to Joseph. And sometimes life doesn't make sense. Sometimes what God has shown you spiritually is not going to add up with what you're seeing physically. And so you might be carrying a word that God gave you, a promise that he has shown you while living the antithesis of that promise. And it's not going to make sense. This isn't what God said. This isn't what God showed me. This isn't the dream. And we rebuke the thing. We start to rebuke the place that 
that God is, is gonna, gonna work out for us. If you continue reading the story of Joseph, God grants him favor, right? God grants him favor in his master's house. So while he is a slave, he has favor with his master. His master is Potiphar. And for, for a minute there, it seems like, okay, Joseph's life is not too terrible. Like I'm, I'm a slave, but at least my master treats me right. But then the Bible says that Potiphar's wife tries to seduce Joseph. And then she pretends like it was Joseph who tried to seduce her. And so Potiphar finds out and he throws Joseph in prison. And so first the place was, was captivity. Now the place is prison. He went from being a slave to a, to a prison, prisoner no closer to what God has shown him. But again, God, is work, God works in the seasons. God works in the seasons. I, I, have to, I have to drive home this point today because, man, some of you are in a season and you're like, where is God King David said in Psalm 139, where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heavens, what? You are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. So if these verses tell us anything is that God can work just as well in the pit as he can on the peak. He covers it all. And so Genesis 39, 21 through 22, again, again, we're, we're reading, reading a lot. It says, but the, the, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. So he goes to prison and he gets favor in prison. And commentators will say that Joseph was in prison for about 10 to 12 years. Or something he didn't even do. 10 to 12 years before being released. And during this time, you know, Joseph, he's, he's interpreting dreams for prisoners. One of those prisoners, uh, again, we're doing a lot of summarizing because we're covering 13 chapters. One, one of those prisoners was a cupbearer to the king. And he interprets the dream of the cupbearer. And he tells the cupbearer, okay, when you get released, I want you to tell the king about me. Tell him that I tell him what the, the gifting that I have that, the, that that God has allowed me to to possess. Tell him that I'm innocent. And the Bible says that the cupbearer gets released, but he forgets about Joseph. So he's there for another two years. And then Pharaoh has a dream, and he doesn't understand what it means. And so he searches all of Egypt. Who can interpret this dream? And the cupbearer remembers. Oh, there's this guy that I met in prison. This is a guy in prison. He, man, he's, he's good with those dreams. And so he brings him to Pharaoh and he interprets the dream. I don't, and, and, and the dream that, that Pharaoh had is very significant to the story. He says, God is sending seven years of abundance followed by seven years of famine. And the famine is going to be so severe it will extend to many regions, right? And so... Joseph interprets this, this dream. Joseph wins favor once again with Pharaoh. And uh, Pharaoh puts him in charge of pretty much everything. He's second in command in Egypt. He's the governor of Egypt. So chapter 41, uh, 53, it says, The seven years of plenty that occurred in the land of Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began 
to come, as Joseph had said. There was a famine in all the lands, but in the land of Egypt there was, there was bread. When all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. Pharaoh said to the Egyptians, go to Joseph. What he says to you, do. And verse 57 says, moreover, all the earth came to Egypt to Joseph to buy grain because the famine was severe. Now, I love this. I love Joseph's story, man. If you're looking for a good Bible story, read the story of Joseph. I mean, like it, it, it is a page turner. You, you want, you're com- once you start reading his story, you're committed to his story. Read it. But this famine is what prompts Jacob, Jake, Joseph's father, to send his sons to Egypt to go buy bread so that they don't starve to death. Joseph was the man who was put in charge of all this. He was, the one, he was the one who was selling all the bread. He was in charge of the storehouse. So people from all over the world came to Egypt to buy provisions. And one day, Joseph's brothers stop to get some bread. And what do they do? They bow down before Joseph. And then Joseph immediately recognizes them. And he remembers the dream that he had some 20 years before that. This is now the other end of Joseph's dream being fulfilled. What do you think was going on in Joseph's mind, man? He, he's, he's beginning to recognize, listen, he's beginning to recognize that the place that he was in didn't detach him from the purpose that was his. He was, he was realizing that, that God actually worked through the evil intentions of my brothers. God was at work in the captivity. God was at work in the prison. God was at work in all the places for the purpose to provide a refuge to the house of Israel. Joseph tells his brothers, this is Genesis 45, 5 through 8. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will, never, uh, be, there will be neither plowing nor harvest, and God sent me before you to preserve you for a remnant, a remnant on earth and to keep you alive for many survivors. So it was not you who sent me, but God. See, God will have your purpose in mind, church, no matter the season. No matter the time, no matter, no matter the place. In fact, if we zoom out, this was actually a fulfillment of Jacob's promise. Right? Sometimes, sometimes you don't know what you're in until you zoom out. This was a fulfillment not just of Joseph's dream, but of Jacob's promise. God had promised Jacob that he would bless him and make his descendants as numerous as the sand. And so in the next chapter, God tells Jacob, God has a conversation with Jacob, do not be afraid to go to Egypt, for there I will make you into a great nation. So in all of this, we see the purpose of God at work. Now, this is what blew my mind, okay? I pray that this speaks to somebody today. You ready? Hold on. Every place that God has you in has an expiration date. You're not meant to be where you are forever. See, first, this is awesome. First, Egypt represented captivity. 
And God used that place of captivity to bring about his purpose. What was the purpose? The purpose was that years later, that same place that for Joseph represented captivity, then came to represent refuge. It first represented captivity, and then God turned it into a place of refuge for Joseph's family. Joseph's family had to go to Egypt because in Egypt there was the food. So Joseph takes him and he, he takes him in and he says, I will provide for you and your household so that you do not come into poverty. And so they settled there, the descendants of, of Jacob, they settled there and Egypt became the birthplace of Israel. Egypt became the birthplace. What do we know about Egypt? Let my people go, right? Egypt became the place of Israel. So if we zoom out even more, we know that God was yet again just using the place for his purpose. Because Egypt isn't meant to be for the people of Israel forever. It only served as a place of refuge during a time of poverty and, and, and famine so that the people of Israel could be born and multiply. By the time God raises Moses... God tells him, deliver my people out of Egypt because the place that was once a place of captivity for Joseph and then a place of refuge for Joseph's family once again becomes a place of captivity for the people of Israel. The place has expired. They can't stay there anymore. But God's purpose remains. So what am I saying? I'm saying don't let the place that you're in, church, discourage you. Because as long as you are in the favor of God, as long as you are in the presence of God, as long as you are in the will of God, your place is only a setup for the purpose God has for you and for those after you. See, the purpose of God, church, man, the plan of God is so robust. If God said it was going to happen, it's going to happen. If God planned it to happen... It's going to happen. I don't know if you believe that. It don't sound convincing. If God said it was going to happen, it is going to happen. I talk to people sometimes who make it sound like God's plan is so fragile and so frail. Like if I just make one wrong turn. If someone knocks me off course. If I mess up, God's plan just falls apart. Do we know whose plan we're talking about? It's robust. Church, when God establishes a purpose for your life, and when God gives you dreams to dream, and when he gives you aspirations and callings to hope for, he takes into account your humanity. He doesn't doesn't expect you to be perfect and walk in a straight line in order for your purpose to be accomplished. He takes into account your humanity. He takes into account your shortcomings, your failures, your moral failures, your distrust, your doubt, the times that you want to quit, the times that you do quit for a little bit. He takes into account every season, every time, every place that you're going to find yourself in, but he knows he can work in the purpose. He can work in the place. He can work in the season. He takes into account your failings. And I'm glad he does. Because if God's plan were truly dependent on me, I would never live out my purpose. Sometimes we look at the place that we're in and we create an idol out of it. 
I'm going to say that again. Sometimes we look at the situation, we look at the place, we look at the thing, we look at the circumstance that we're in and we create an idol out of it. Not in the sense that we, not in the sense that we worship it, but in the sense that we bow before it. We look at the place. I don't know who I'm talking to today. We look at the place and we begin to discredit ourselves. We begin to speak negatively. We begin to think negatively. We begin to lose our trust in a loving father. We begin to lose our hope and then we give in to the hopeless. We begin to forget who God is. We begin to be consumed in a place that God was only going to allow to be present for a minute before working it out for our good. But we bow down before the place and we forget about the purpose. We make an idol out of it. And God is saying this morning, if you just remain faithful, if you just remain obedient, you don't have to be, you don't even have to be obedient to the purpose. Just be obedient to me and I'm going to work out the purpose. Just be faithful and obedient and I will work the place into your purpose. Just like he did when Egypt was a place of captivity. What did he do? He turned it into a place of refuge. And then when it was turned into a place of captivity again, he took his people out of there. And when, then, when they wandered in the place of the wilderness, God was setting up his people to take them out of the wilderness and to the promised land. The place doesn't matter so much when you remain in his purpose. And I believe that God is, is speaking to somebody this morning. And every time, every time I, I, I prep a message, I, I pray over it. God, I don't know what you, I, I, don't, I, I did my part. Speak. Because I don't want these just to be beautiful words. I want them to, I want them to speak to somebody. And I believe that, that God is speaking to someone who's in a place that doesn't look like your purpose. It doesn't look like my purpose. What am I doing here? And you feel stuck. Have you ever felt stuck before? Come on, have you ever, have you, come on, seriously. Have you ever been stuck? Like, what am I doing here? Have you ever been ashamed and embarrassed that you're at one place in your life when you thought by now I was going to be at a different place? Why am I here? Why am I working here? Why am, I going, why, am I, why am I studying this at school? What, what, what am I doing here? I'm, I'm ashamed. I'm, I feel stuck. I feel embarrassed. I feel not good enough. And it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense what God has allowed you to go through. It seems unfair what people have done to you. But if you remain seeking God, if you remain obeying his purpose, it will be fulfilled. That's the constant in all of this, church, is, is obedience and faithfulness. That's the constant. If you remain faithful to God, the place becomes irrelevant. The season, the time, it becomes irrelevant. Solomon says, seasons of all sorts are going to come. The question is, can we remain faithful to God in every one of those seasons? Because if we can, we will recognize the places that God has allowed us to go through were, were all the places in which his purpose remained. I want to close it out with one final verse. Genesis 50, 50 through 20. I'm going to have the whole worship team come up. Are you ready? This is what Joseph says. 
But when Joseph's brothers saw that their their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God, your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Why did Joseph, why, why was Joseph broken by this? I believe that Joseph, see, because Joseph already had the full picture in mind. Joseph had already zoomed out. Joseph knew exactly what God was doing. He felt sorry for his brothers because they didn't get it yet. They thought that they were the cause And so it says, Joseph wept when they spoke to him. And verse 18 says, his brothers also came. They fell down before him and said, behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, do not fear, for I am in the place of God. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Isn't that beautiful once, once you have the full context? See, when you're in a certain place, church, you don't have the context yet. You don't have the, con- you, you, don't, you don't know what comes next. You don't know what just happened to you probably plays into where you're at now, which is going to play into where you're going. If you remain faithful to God, God is working it out. I, I might not know how, it may feel uncomfortable, and I, it might feel like it's taking forever. But God is working all things for the good of those who love him, who obey him. The place is irrelevant when you're in the presence of God. I'm going to ask that you stand this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word, my God, that you spoke this morning. And I pray for this person, my God, whoever it may be, feeling in a place of captivity. They're in a place where they feel stuck, where they feel ashamed, where they feel not good enough. They feel despaired, my God. They feel hopeless, my God. I pray, Father God, that if they remain faithful to you, my God, they will see what you are doing in this place, in this moment, Father. I thank you for your faithfulness, my God. I thank you for your grace, my God, in my shortcomings. I thank you for your faithfulness, my God, when, in my moments of doubt, my God, my, my moments of, of, of trouble, Father God. I thank you, my God, because I know that you are working, Father. Even when it doesn't feel like, it, like you're working, even when it doesn't look like you're working, my God, we know that you are. that this word reminds somebody this morning, my God, that as long as we are faithful and obedient to you, Father, you are working. You are working in every place. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. 
If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at My Numa Church. Thanks again and God bless.